Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Tonight's co-host, Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, I'm getting Hello. used to having you by my side, man. <laughs> I know. You kind of like it, Just like old times. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just you and me having oh, a good old time. Birds, in a, birds of a better, better... Birds, what is it? Bird of a feather flock together? Yes. Oh, there we go. Oh, sorry. The, the show... I forgot to put it on mute. <laughs> Oops. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It, it's it's um golly it it's Martin Luther King weekend. Can you believe this? All right, it's flying by. I know. It, it's the it's middle of January, and I'm already planning into March. It's disgusting, is what it is. <laughs> Ugh, 2011. But hey, I I have some interesting news. Okay. If, if it's interesting at all, do you know what tomorrow is? Besides, Besides Martin being Luther Martin Luther King Day? Um, um, is it an anniversary of something? It is. Is it your anniversary? It is. It's my six. It's my six-year diagnosis anniversary. Ah, oh, your positiveversary. Is that what they call yes, it? Yes, my anniversary. Yes. Uh, of course, that's my diagnosis <laughs> anniversary. God knows, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> the actual, you know, the actual date and time and minute, <laughs> all that. Good God, who knows? But yeah, so tomorrow, six years of me knowing, um, and I, I think the the point of that is is um, getting folks out to know what their status is, and um, you know, and I, I hate to sound like a um, what is it? Uh, what um there's NBC the more you know but it's true uh-huh. it, it's um the more you know the better you are the better off you are and 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 I think that um how long have we been doing this show 2 3 going on um, 3 years yeah we're going into our third year yeah yeah going in 3 years and and I think that part of our grand plan is to get get people to to know their their own status yeah. if they don't know and and hopefully we have um HIV negative people who are downloading and listening and and um so just get out and know your status and um the sooner you know the the better off you'll be so yeah that's, anyway, that, that's, that's what's going on well congratulations on that um or happy anniversary yeah. I should say you know yeah. and and I've been thinking about it a lot because my 10 year anniversary will come up this June and I've been really reflecting on, like, wow, it's been like a decade, and so much has happened, you know what I mean, and how my life has totally changed from the way that it was then to now, and it's just, it's just it, to me, it's just very powerful to sit back and look and kind of, like, do, like, you know, an overview of your life and what you've done since your diagnosis, 
And I think yeah. it's, I don't know, it's just something that's really, it's breathtaking. Ten years, I never thought I would be here for ten years. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like, I, I it's just know what you something mean. I and, thought of right away. And, and you know, the, the other thing is, is I think back and it's like, my God, what choices would I have been making? And what different paths would I have taken? Had had this this path not been picked, do you know what I mean? Right. You know, it's it's so. It's, where would I be? Yeah. Where would I be? What would I be doing right now? And and you, then you start thinking back to that point, and then it's like, well, gee, up until that point, what was I doing? And then you think back, you, you know, think back to different points in your life when. You know, either A, you moved to a different city or you got a different job or you met somebody new. And and it's always, what if I didn't follow that? Or what if I I didn't go to this other city? Where would I be? You know, so. It happens for a reason. You know, I really think that people like cross paths for reasons. Absolutely. it's incredible when, when you can sit back and look at it and go, wow, that was really a moment when it may have been really traumatic for me in my life and it may have been really difficult and maybe the time I may have felt the weakest, but it's also the time that I, I, I was able to pick myself up and grow and, yeah. and, and, you know, and learn to cope with it and become a stronger person emotionally because it really is an emotional thing that is the hardest to get over yeah, you know, absolutely, and and I don't mean for us to to go on and on and on about this, but <laughs> but I I think um, we're going to be touching on some of these themes in tonight's show. Yeah. So um, because because uh, uh, Kevin, who who's our guest, has some of these very same themes going on right now in his life. So I, I think I think that. Um, we'll be able to explore some of those themes, you know, later on in the hour. And, uh, but, but it, it's, it's really, it gives, it does give you, it, you do pause and, and, and you do try to reflect on, on what ifs, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. And, right. uh, you know, and you think, wow, what, how different life would be, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, so what about you? What, how's your week been going? It's been good. You know, today actually um, we went to my – my grandparents are now in a nursing home. Um, so we actually went there for their, it was their uh, wedding anniversary today. So uh-huh. it was Friday, and we kind of had like a little party at their place. They had a little room. And, you know, we just hung out and did like the family thing like we would do if my, grandma, my grandparents were living at their house. But we just did it at their nursing home. So it was kind of really cool to sit back and, and just enjoy and be able to see my grandparents who have been together over 50 years you know, have that love for each other, all that spark. And, and it was just very, just nice to get it together with the family. You know, all that stuff becomes more important to you. And it just, it's just nice. The funny part about it is our topic was the Jersey Shore. We were talking about the oh. Jersey Shore when we were having conversations with everybody. It was hilarious. Oh, my hilarious. God, the Jersey Shore. Now, that's yeah, the one that reality is on, right? And the frigging girls. The girls with the weird um, addictions that eat the toilet paper and the laundry detergent, like weird stuff that they have <laughs> on friggin' TV nowadays. <laughs> uh, now, I'm that serious. Is, 
Okay, so back up one second. But the Jersey Shore is that the one yeah. with Snooky? Yes. Yeah, the one who who is like orange all the time because you know she's got this tanning addiction. Yes, but I like Snooky. I think she's a funny. I think she's a character, but she has issues. But we all got issues, so who am I to judge? Oh hella, hella! <laughs> we all have those issues. I mean, God. It, it, you know what? We should do an issues show someday, and and that would take like, you know, I don't think anybody has enough time, but, <laughs> it, you, you know, it, it, it it's just I I think the 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 further down this road of life that we get, um, and the things that we we see ourselves doing on a day to day basis, it's. It really is a culmination of of where we of where we have been, and um, and then I think all the personal experiences that uh, that I've come across, you know, that you know everything that I've done um, has shaped me into into this person I am today. Because today I'm gonna or tomorrow I'm gonna be different than I am today, right? That's right. And then who knows what I'm going to it's going to be like for me or for any of us in uh in 10 years. So right. it's it, it's it's really interesting. It is. It is. And actually I think we have Kevin here on the line, so Awesome. Well, let's bring um, Kevin on. Yes, please help me welcome Kevin Maloney. Um Kevin was diagnosed uh HIV positive on March 3rd. Since then Kevin has been um uh, educating people and advocating through his blog, uh, and it can be found at www.kevincaresusa.blogspot.com. Uh, we'll put that into uh, the chat room. And Kevin is also co-infected with hepatitis C, so he's going to come on and share his personal story. Please help me welcome Kevin. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. How are you? Thanks for having Good. me. Good. How are you? I am okay. I you know, I I hope I'm not being trumped by the Golden Globes tonight. <laughs> I've been watching all the red carpet previews, and and I've got my TV off. I'm being good. <laughs> well, good. You know, in in this day and age of DVR, it's like you know what? Who cares if you if you miss a if you miss a show? Right. Or Hulu. You know. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Hulu or or um or um. That's what it was way back when. I can't afford the ten extra dollars a month, so (laughs) (laughs) no DVR for me. I'm a poor graduate student, so (laughs) yeah, I remember those days. Uh, Which is why I never got to graduate school because I needed to eat. (laughs) Oh well. And the funny part about it is we always, Sunday's night's always the night with the awards that we always get trumped by the Grammys, the Oscars. <laughs> it's always something. It's an enjoyment. The nanny. It is. Yeah. The nanny. <laughs> yeah, I think that's on, too. <laughs> oh, and, the and nanny. Then, that's what Housewives is on, but DVR has it set. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. <laughs> Wait, Thanks. hold How on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The nanny? The nanny hasn't been on for <laughs> many the years. Super nanny's oh. on. The English lady that... that that, super like, nanny goes into home. super oh, nanny. That's super it. Super nanny. I'm like <laughs> Fran Dresser. Not Fran Dresser nanny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh I love that too. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, Kevin, how are you this evening? I'm okay. I'm drinking some green tea and 
you know, I'm trying to do all the right things to build my immunity because um, coming off that hepatitis C treatment, um, it's been two months now that I've, you know, been off off of that. And, um, you know, it really depletes all, like it depletes your immunity. And, um, you know, when I, my CD4 count was 240 um, coming off of it. And I have a follow-up in another month, and hopefully that number will climb and everything will be back to normal, you know. But that's the most discerning part of the treatment is, you know, you want, it's like, you know, I'm too focused on numbers, you know. And um, all along my doctor's telling me I'm doing okay, I'm doing fine, you know. And that's kind of what you have to just go with and believe in because you get too focused on numbers and, your mind just starts going crazy, <laughs> or mine does, anyways. You know, I want my CD4 count to be above 500, and I want my white blood cells to be here, and I want, you know, and it's like, ah, uh, and I get frustrated when they're not at the point where they should be, you know. Well, you need right. to sit them down and have a talk with them. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they start multiplying. <laughs> You know, and then you read all these things, you know, eat green vegetables and green tea and, you know, and exercise will help to build your immunity. And, you know, <laughs> but I'm like, when you have a CD4 count of like 240, you know, I don't know, how, you know, I just feel so tired, you know. Well, it's probably the also the Hep C treatment. Coming off of that. but it's Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, you know, and. But it's been two months, and I'm like, oh, when am I going to feel normal again? <laughs> it takes a while. I, I, I've got some, um, I know some other folks that have gone through the treatment. Now, you and I, Kevin, have something in common, because I'm also co-infected, um, HIV and um, hep, hep, hep C. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but before we get to all of that, and, and we'll talk about, you know, similarities and everything a little bit later in the hour, but what I wanted to do is, if it's okay with you, is let's let's go back in time. Yes. Okay. okay. We're going to close our <laughs> eyes. We're going to go back in time. We're going to think of that place, you know, that was warm and gushy. And oh, wait, that's too far back. <laughs> um, but let let's go back. You were diagnosed in March of 2010. Yeah, March 2010. Okay. <clears throat> 2010, and we are coming up on to March 2011 in, in a month yes. and a half. I know. Where's so, the year gone? So, but I know. So so take us back to, to um pre diagnosis mm-hmm. leading up to your diagnosis. Yep. Um <clears throat> I didn't really start like coming out um and, you know, <clears throat> having sex with guys until I was around twenty five. And, you know, that was when I had my first boyfriend and um you know, at that age, I was also introduced to the party scene in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, you know, was introduced to every alphabet, you know, in the drug world. And, you know, was out partying and, and, and all that for many, many years. Um, and it wasn't until I moved in, to New York, um you know, that I had become infected, and uh, but still, when I moved to New York, I moved because I thought that, you know, I needed to get away from Florida. You know, I did the whole, um, you know, geography. What, they call was it, it to geography. get clean, Kevin? 
yeah, you know, I thought, you know what, I need to get away from Florida so that I can get my mind in a better place and to get clean and to, um, you know, just move on with my life because it had stagnated in Florida. I had broken up with that partner I had moved down there for. I, my job was, I didn't like the job I had. I didn't like my living arrangements. And I was too messed up by the crystal meth I had been doing for, like, you know, on and off on the weekends, you know. And, um, you know, I just was like, I'm just, I just need to get away from this. And so I moved to New York thinking that that would happen. And the same behaviors followed me to New York. And, um, you know, it wasn't until... I was diagnosed in March that I said to myself, you know, I have to I have to do something with my life, you know? I mean, that was the turning point in my life for me. I said, you know, now I need to go now I need to get my life in check, which meant getting on meds, you know, that was my option or you know, I chose to go on meds right away. Just backing up a bit, I know in February, in in late February, I had an encounter with someone, and it was crystal meth, you know, initiated, and you know, whole night long, whatever. And um, and my sex was very infrequent too, you know. I, I could tell you that you know when, and it wasn't like every day I was hooking up. You know, it was, I would go two months, three months, a month, whatever. You know, it wasn't that frequent. And two and a half weeks after that encounter, I got so sick. You know, I flu-like symptoms, headache for days, couldn't get out of bed, and headache, yeah, that just would not go away. And um, I went to my doctor, and he basically. Um, he was just going to dismiss it as a virus, just a plain old virus, drink lots of fluid, get your over-the-counter medicines, and have, you know, just rest. Now, but were you, I, were you, Kevin, were you aware? Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, as, as, how old are you at, at now? You're 33. 30, 33, okay. So you were somewhat educated about HIV, right? Yes. Beforehand? Mm-hmm. I was, yep. Having lived in Fort Lauderdale, I mean, it was it was around me, you know, constantly, right. and and it was, yeah, definitely very educated about it. So, did it ever cross your mind that when you were sick and your doctor just thought it was a, a, a cold or the flu, that maybe mm-hmm. you should get tested for that, or did it not even cross your it, mind? Well, it happened right there in the doctor's office. I said when he said it was going to send me home with just fluids and rest, I said to him. I opened up, and I really, really thought in my mind I knew that 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 this is what it was. This is what it had come to, and he tested me for it. He said it it's quite a possi- it is po- it is a possibility, but I didn't have any swollen lymph nodes, you know, and that's what he checked for, and and you know, it's describing my symptoms, and he didn't think so. But he says, we'll do this test anyways before you leave. So they drew my blood. And then uh, three days later, you know, the secretary called me and said that the doctor wanted to see you. And normally, any time I went to that doctor, he would call and say, my results were fine over the phone. So I knew that day, in my mind, I 
had already come to the realization that that's what it was. And um, it was confirmed, you know, three days later. So um, that's when I... So you went into the office right after you got that call? Right. Yep, I did. I went right into the office. I remember getting that call from the doctor's office and, you know, having that instinct like you were talking about, you automatically, you knew. You knew Mm -hmm. something was wrong. You knew that, you know, the test came back positive. And now you had to drag yourself there. I remember that being like the longest ride to the doctor's office. And Uh when I got there, the chairs were like so cold and stuff. Do you remember like how how it was when you were there and like how that moment was surreal? Yeah, no, I had to take the subway down from where I was living. And, um... It only took me about half an hour to get there, but, you know, I walked in and thinking that, like, you know, I'm looking at the secretaries that are sitting at the desk because, you know, at this point they must all know, you know, and I'm th- I'm trying to read their reactions on their faces, you know, and and one smiled at me and another one didn't, kind of kept their head down. And I'm, like, reading into that too much thinking, oh, great, it really is what I'm thinking it is. And, you know, I'm trying to get cl- little clues and hints from the staff, you know, but they kind of whisked me into a room, you know, and didn't let me sit just doing my thoughts for too long. And um, they whisked me into a room, and the doctor threw the, not threw, but placed the paper down on the table in front of me and said, um, it, it's come back positive, you know. And, um, you know, he told me, um, you know, it's not a death sentence, and, you know, gave me the whole spiel about, um, it's not a death sentence anymore, and said a few other things which I don't quite remember, and then asked me, um, you know, how are you doing psychologically? <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I was like, what was I supposed to do? He's not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, you know, and I was like, fine, you know, and I walked out of this general practitioner's office in New York City and called the clinic down the road and went in the next, they got me in the next morning, and that's when I saw the HIV doctor and had all my blood drawn. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was it was a defining moment in my life for me that that, that diagnosis turned my life around completely and for the better, you know. And, you know, and that's, um, it's a shame that something light something you know as big as that had to happen in my life but um you know i'm doing better and then i went to after that diagnosis i then um went to you know i'm like i gotta get a handle on this crystal meth issue you know i was doing it like on the weekends every other weekend maybe once a month you know it wasn't never affected me with, it never affected my work, you know. I would always make sure I would be at work, you know, and I would always stop it before I would go into You know what I mean? It's a, but I knew it was a problem, and I was taking the Xanax and the Clonopin and all that to keep my nerves in check because that's what the meth did to me. It just completely messed up my nervous system and <laughs> made me very anxious. So I was addicted not only to meth, you know, on the weekends, but to benzos and, you know, couldn't even drink a glass of alcohol because that would turn into, like, ten, you know. So I had problems. And I went to, so, um, I went away to rehab. 
So, so I, I, uh, after your diagnosis. Yeah. After my diagnosis, yes, I went away. Yeah, March 3rd, I learned of my diagnosis. March 4th, I was at the clinic having my blood drawn. I called on March 4th to the outpatient clinic in New York City called the Realization Center in New York City and set myself up for outpatient um, therapy. And I was on vacation from work that week, and I made arrangements with my job for um, FMLA medical leave so that I could handle the issues at hand and not have the pressures of work, you know, breathing down my neck. And So, um, so yeah, where did you did go to rehab? Out. What's that? Where did you go to rehab? I went to the Realization Center in New York City. It was outpatient, but it didn't work. And um, it didn't work. I mean, I didn't. I didn't like the program. It wasn't as yeah. structured. And um, I heard about this place out in Minnesota called the Pride Institute. And they, I called them up and I told them my issues. And they said, "When can you be here?" And I was like, "Hold the phone because I can't come right now. I have an apartment that I, I need to, you know, um, pack up and and you know." It's going to take me some time. So, mm-hmm. you know, outpatient kept me, I kept going to meetings. I kept going to Crystal Meth Anonymous meetings in New York City. That's how I actually um, learned of the Pride Institute, by raising my hand at these meetings and speaking about my struggle. And, you know, and um, the outpatient center sent what they needed to send to the inpatient center so that I could be approved, so that my insurance would approve me. And I spent 30 days out in Minnesota yep, at the Pride Institute and just, you know, it was it was a great experience. It really was. Yep. Excellent. Uh, so yeah. so you, you, you got through rehab. I got through rehab, got my little graduation coin and, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> was off all benzos. You know, my mind was feeling good. And then um, I was basically homeless. I was I had given up my apartment to go to rehab. And when I got out of rehab, I had nowhere to go. Um, and I called my dad from rehab. He had no clue why I was there. He had no clue as to anything about me. And I called him from rehab, and I said, Dad, I'm gay. I have HIV and hepatitis C, and I'm in rehab for a crystal meth problem. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait a minute. Wow. So how did he take it? He, on the phone, was very short with me. You know, he didn't yell or scream, but um, his girlfriend later told me that the minute he hung up the phone with you, he broke down and started crying. Oh. And she's never seen him cry and I've never known my father to cry and all he could think that was I was going to die mm-hmm. and that goes back to the whole education you know aspect of this illness you know you know my dad is from the era when the news was making those big headlines about thousands of people dying each week from AIDS, you know, mm-hmm. and he never caught up with the, the education afterwards, you know, he just always, I think, had that image in his head, 
and he just thought I was going to die. And, you know, in hindsight, I wish that I had um, informed him a little bit better. Um, you know, that's and maybe not done it over the phone. Exactly. Not done it over the phone. Mm-hmm. That's probably would have been the best best way. Wow. To just do it in so, person, you know. Exactly. So so you get out of rehab, you come mm-hmm. back to New York. I, I yep, I came I came back to upstate New York instead of New mm-hmm. York City. This is I went to my dad's house cuz he was the only place I could really go back to, you know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going back to New York City to my old stomping grounds and to where my all my habits, you know. Um were and um I couldn't stay with my brother and his family because, you know, they've got children and, you know, it's just, it just would disrupt their household. And I didn't want to stay with my mom because she doesn't know about my status or my being, me being gay. And, you know, the only, that's kind of why I made that, like, crisis call to my dad and told him everything I needed to tell him, like, five days into rehab so that he could process it for 25 days and then I could go there to his house to live you know, for a few months, why I started the Hep C treatment. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I'm going to go back just a little bit. So, were you diagnosed with hepatitis C at the same time that you got the HIV diagnosis? Well, you know, this is this is what happened. In, in March, I was diagnosed with HIV, and the next day, mm-hmm. I went to that clinic. And their standard protocol is to take your blood work for Hep C too. You know, when you're first when you're diagnosed with HIV, then they check for you for your hepatitis C. And um, they lost this hepatitis C sample in March when I went. So when I went back in April, or, yeah, in April, I found out, again, because they had to redo the hep C sample. So I found out in early April that I had the hepatitis C. Mm-hmm. Just before the day, actually the day before I went into rehab, I found out that, oh, by the way, you also contracted hepatitis C. <laughs> Okay. So, and that honestly was the worst diagnosis to hear. The HIV, I was kind of, you know what, manageable, take a couple pills, okay, I can deal with that, you know, mm-hmm. even though it was still emotionally difficult to deal with, I could deal with that. But hearing that I also had hepatitis C just struck me, like I was completely thrown off by that, and I could not comprehend how I got hepatitis C because I never did IV drugs and I always associated hepatitis C you know and it's and it's very common for people to associate hepatitis C with IV drugs Mm -hmm. but it's becoming more and more prominent you know amongst the MSM community where people are contracting hepatitis C along with their HIV infection you know just through sexual contact. <laughs> well, yeah, where, where, where there is blood, yeah, where there's a blood exchange. Um, and, and let's face it. Um, by the way, I just want to remind our listeners: it is nine thirty, bottom of the hour, and um, we are talking with Kevin Maloney, and he is sharing his story about his uh, co-infection of HIV and hepatitis C, and. Um, if you would like to give us a call, uh, the number is 347-9... Um, oh, 
gosh, 347-215-9442. I can't believe I almost forgot the phone number. Again, it's 347-215-9442. Please give us a call, and if you have any questions for Kevin, um, we'll certainly get you in the line. And, and, by the way, when you do call in, please hit uh, 1 hit option one to get into the um, into the queue so we know that you are ready to ask a question. So um, I'm going to push us a little bit further yes. along in the timeline and um, talk and ask you about, so when did you start your hep C treatment? I started that right after rehab. So I, mm-hmm. I started medicine right away for the HIV. That mm-hmm. went undetectable within five weeks. At week five, I was undetectable with that. Once my CD4 count rose to the 400s, it was like 440 when I started hep C treatment right after the therapy, the inpatient rehab that I went to. So right after, so I I went away taking my medicine the whole 30 days in rehab. You know, I was taking it 30 days before then too. And then um, I came out of rehab went to my father's house and started hepatitis C treatment and um, did that for six six months. Um, and, and and for and for our listeners who are not uh, not familiar with um, hepatitis C treatment, um, can you describe to um, because we did have a question in in the chat room from Travis and he wanted to know if you could describe the treatment a little bit and what it is sure. that you had to do. Yeah, it is, um, they call it interferon and um, pegylated interferon and ribavirin is the two um, medicines I had to take. The um, interferon treatments were injections that I had to give myself uh, weekly in the stomach. Uh, And basically, interferon is a low dose of chemotherapy that they use to treat um, melanomas. You know, the word alone strikes up like fear, you know, like interferon, you know. And, um, and you know, that went okay. That actually was fine. The doctor did it one time, showed me how to do it, and then I did it the rest of my treatments. Every week I would give myself this injection. And it's a tiny needle. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. I was thinking it was going to be a huge needle and it was going to, like, way into my stomach, you know, when I first heard that I needed to do this, you know. But it was wasn't bad. It just is a neat you know, it's a, I think it's a pretty small needle. And the ribavirin was uh six pills that I had to take twelve hundred milligrams, six pills a day. And at first they started it off as three in the morning and three at night. But the nighttime dosage combined with my Icentris that I was taking for the HIV was making my heart race and I couldn't get to sleep. So I wound up, um, the doctor switched me to taking all of my ribavirin, 1,200 milligrams, um, in the morning. And that worked. And I, and I moved back my Icentris tablet at night, um, and that helped me get to, get to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects of the treatment weren't, uh, I didn't have any physical, real physical symptoms. Like you go online, you read all about hepatitis C and how 
you know, you're going to feel flu-like symptoms and um, you're just going to be sick and, and, like, in bed all the time, you know. And uh, that's not how my treatment went. I'm sure some people do struggle really difficultly with hep C treatment, but physically my treatment went well except for a little bit of fatigue. It was the mental aspect of the treatment that really got me. Um, you know, I had lots of anxiety going into treatment prior to even my diagnosis of HIV, and it really was enhanced on the treatment. Um, so were you diagnosed with um, acute hepatitis C infection or chronic? Yeah. Acute. You were acute. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I caught, I, I, I wound up, I know in February when I had that last hookup that that person infected me. I know that's when I was infected. Mm-hmm. You know, because of my, you know, infrequency and sex and pattern and everything, and, and when I went to the doctor, I was my viral load had spiked. It was at 1 million when I first went. When your was, HIV so viral load was or your that HIV one, viral load? Hep C that was my HIV viral. It was 1 million. Okay. My hep C viral load was 7 million. Uh-huh. It was spike, like, you know, it was, I had caught both early and um, in that acute phase. So yes. that's why um, <clears throat> my doctor um, in New York, he said, um, I had a rapid viral response at week four. And um, so that's why they were able to cut the treatment down to, to 24 weeks instead of 48. Right. Weeks. So you you went half the you went you went the half half the treatment, which is and and did you also have the full dosage of the yeah. interferon? I was uh, it was one shot a week. Three. It was uh-huh. yeah, pegylated interferon alpha whatever. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was it was 180 milligrams. That's what it was. You had to. Okay. Yeah. Once a week. Excellent. Okay. So, and there's another follow-up question is, so is, um, how are you with the hep C now? Um, Are you in remission? Is it gone? And what is the prognosis now after treatment? That's the follow-up from Travis. Yeah. No, um, thanks for asking. I actually, um, at week four, I had a sustained, they call it a sustained virologic virologic response and that was a pretty good indicator at that point that I would clear the virus from my system or in more fancier terms eradicate the virus from my system. A lot of times they may not know until week 12 if the treatment is actually successful or not Um, but he was able to tell me at week four that I think that we are going to be able to clear this. So I had, when I went three months ago, you know, after my, or two months ago now, after my treatment ended, they took another, they took more blood work, and it came back, I, I was still having, they call it a sustained virological, virologic response. I had cleared the virus at that point, and now the next test in a month will tell me that yes, I have eradicated it mm-hmm. uh, or not, but all indications are pointing 
to um, the fact that I have. And I asked him about my liver, you know, have I done any damage to my liver? And um, they never did a liver biopsy on me Mm -hmm. because it was caught so early. They didn't have to do that. And I asked them because I was concerned about my liver. Have I damaged my liver for the rest of my life? Because that's a possibility if it goes untreated. Um, And he said, no, you have very minimal um, damage that you will be able to re, you know, whatever. It will be able to replenish. I don't know how that works, but so so yeah yeah so your liver regenerates right yeah yeah so yeah um, that was <laughs> see where in that's and I was like I said earlier tonight um, you and I have this thing in common however I have a chronic Hep C infection so hmm. um, so have you tried I, I'm not allowed to drink alcohol anymore and there's oh. other things that I can't do I can't take Saint John's Wort and all this other stuff so. Are you not allowed to do anything, or are you back on a regular diet? So what what do they have you doing? I'm on a regular diet. Um, I've stayed away from the alcohol. I have not <clears throat> done the crystal math in almost a year since that hookup in February. Um, you know, I maintain a regular diet, and... Um, you know, I, I I I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that happens too. Like post hepatitis treatment, it's like, uh, you know. Yeah. Is sometimes I still feel like I'm going through it. You know. Uh-huh. You have these moments of of uh, forgetfulness. You know. Well, that's uh, Kevin. That's actually called old age. And, um... <laughs> well, actually, you know, Kevin, I I, I very quickly. I actually uh, blame the AIDS and Hep C for everything. So I have a headache. Oh, it's the AIDS. <laughs> I have this. Oh, it's the AIDS. Yeah, and and you're only a year into this, you'll get yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'll get there. Uh, so, so um, where it's, are it's you now? I have something funny to say when I was first diagnosed with yep. the HIV, and I started blogging and telling my experiences and all, and and I was spelling AIDS with a apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> and I was quickly uh, slapped on the hand by many, many friends. Aids <laughs> with an apostrophe. Yeah, that's that's great. So, what are you doing these days? What's what's what are you doing now? Now that you've gotten through the treatment, you're got out of rehab. What are yep. you doing now? Well, I left New York City and um, left my job. Just left everything behind and and came up to New York, and I'm in my own apartment now and going to graduate school. Classes start on Wednesday for my master's degree in public health, and um, I'm, you know, taking my mom to her therapy appointments. She's awaiting a lung transplant, and um, I uh, take her to her therapy appointments to keep my mind busy and take her shopping. And... um. Yeah, hopefully one day return to the workforce. I'm looking at volunteer opportunities with uh, political. There's a political organization that I'm really interested in up here, and then there's a couple grassroots organizations that um, I've put a call out or an email out to. So I hope to pick up some volunteer work. 
with Well, that's great. I hope that all works or... out. I actually have a caller <clears throat> here on the line, yes. so let me go ahead and bring them on. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? You're on the air. Hello? Hi, who's this? Hello? Can you hear me? We can yes, hear I you. Can. Oh, hi, Robert. This is Lisa Britt in Atlanta, Georgia. How are you? Good, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's good to hear your voice, and I just wanted to congratulate you on your, what you said, 155 show? Yes. That's cool. I just wanted to um, give props to Danny for calling in and telling his story. And, um, you know, it's good that he's not ashamed to tell his story, especially, you know, he's newly diagnosed. Um, I've been diagnosed for seven years now. And I really think it's amazing and wonderful for people, even, you know, newly diagnosed people just come out and tell their story because that gives other people, you know, courage to not be afraid and to just speak out. So I just want to say thank you so much for telling your story and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, you know. I think, you know, you know, that can be said for, you know, Robert and Jeremy and myself and so many others that are listening tonight who are out there, you know, telling their stories. And thank you. Thank you for calling in. Oh, oh you're so in, welcome. I'm sorry. I said thank you again for calling in, Lisa. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And I'll be talking to you soon, Robert. All right. You have a great night. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lisa, I love Lisa. She um, does a show, uh, Butterfly Girl. Uh, she was on the show. Uh, on the show, Jeremy, I think you hosted with me when she was on. I think I did. Yeah. You I'm gonna have Butterfly to add Girl. that to my blog toss blog. What is it? Blog talk radio friends list. <laughs> I've got too many so friends other, lists going on. So other than you know what you're you're, you're blogging now and you're starting to share your story, and I have to say. Um, Kevin, that doing it so early in your diagnosis is something that, you know, I applaud because I I didn't have that kind of awareness of my disease. I was, uh, my numbers were good. I didn't go on medication. And, you know, for you to step out and start sharing your story this early in being diagnosed, I think it's a, a wonderful thing. And I think you should continue doing it. The one thing I wanted to uh, touch on is how is your family dealing with the diagnosis now? Um, it's not really talked about so much. I do call my dad now and then and, and just tell him, you know, I have these doctor's appointments that are coming up. and But we don't talk about it. Um, and my mom doesn't know because she's so ill. I feel this right. could be a big stressor on her, and I don't want to tell her. Um, my brother and his wife, you know, they're, you know, 10 years older than I and understand you know they may right. not understand every aspect of what has happened in my life but they know about hiv you know right and you know, it's, hard. Um, it's hard i know especially in the beginning when i first started sharing and blogging you know publicly um my family was not the most accepting toward it mm-hmm. they um you know didn't like everything being so public about me um they wanted to protect me so, you know, I know there was, the first year was really hard when I started doing it. And, you know, they really come around now and they talk to me about it. They listen, you know, to my show. So, you know, don't give up hope. Eventually they will start coming around and talking to you. It's just getting over that hump. And once you get more comfortable with it, 
you know, I'm sure you'll bring up the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I will. And my big goal, though, this year in, in, is to connect more, you know. I need to get involved, like, you know, in person, you know, with the community and um, meet people because I'm sitting here in, in rural upstate New York, you know, where, you know, it's almost an abonishment to be gay, you know. Like so I was talking to someone that replied to something I wrote the other day that's living in the Bible Belt, and, you know, he can't, it's, it's like nobody knows, you know, and it's like, it's that isolation that is going to get me, you know, and that's what I worry about, you know. How Not are the services the up in, in New York? Um, upstate New York, they have an ASO um, that actually helped me uh, tremendously move into my apartment, and um, they have many programs they run out of there, and I just found um, a a few grassroots, you know, organizations, too. The services are pretty good. I mean, there's one, there's a clinic that's attached to the hospital. It's like 30 minutes drive from where I am, and that's where I've set myself up. Um, So that's where I'm, you know, I'm going to um, Albany Medical Center, and that's that's the hospital, but I go down every three months to New York City to see my doctor that um, is following me for the Hep C. Now, do these ASOs out near you? Do they have support groups that you go to? No, they. I mean, they probably do have support groups. I know they do. It's not your thing. But <laughs> I know they do, but I haven't gone, and I don't know why. You know, I. I I guess I'm trying to handle this all on my own and, you know, or it's that anxiety in in group settings that I don't, you know, haven't been always comfortable around. Go figures that I'm going for a degree in public health, but um, (laughs) I don't know. But maybe maybe by not going to that, you're kind of feeding to that isolation feeling that you have. I know when I was getting clean, as you know, you said you went to – you know, Crystal Meth Anonymous, and I went to Narcotics Anonymous when I tried to get off Crystal, when I got off Crystal Meth and, and all the drugs. And I know how important it was to ha- surround myself with people who were going through the same situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And how important it was to hear other people raise their hand and share their stories or just, just say their name and say that they were also an addict or also HIV positive. Just having that kind of connection let me not leave such a lead such a isolated life because I used to isolate myself all the time. Yeah, it's 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 um in New York City it was much easier, you know, there was a meeting yeah. like every hour somewhere. Right. And it was a gay meeting, you know. Here there's like no meetings. It's like one meeting a day at like odd times way down like 35 40 minutes from here, you know. And it's mm-hmm. And my sponsor actually called me yesterday because I had a sponsor when I was living in New York City, and he called me yesterday, and I told him about a using dream I had. And he's like, go to a meeting, get to a meeting. (laughs) But, you know, the compulsion to use is gone, and I just want to get on with my life, you know, go Mm -hmm. to grad school, get more involved in the community, you know, get a job afterwards, and just get on with my life, you know? It's unfortunate, yeah, that this 
happened the way it had, um, but it really was an eye opener for me. And um, and um, yeah, it's it's you know only great things are going to happen. I hope from here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, one of the blogs because I was going through your blogs today, and and one of the blogs that really stood out to me was the one that you wrote that is titled uh, "Say Hi to Me." Mm. And I think that is something that is so profound when you read it. Um, and yeah, I know you wanted to to read something, and I wanted to know if you could read that, because I think that it's really something that is really touching. Oh, yeah. Let me – I have to pull it up on my computer here. All right. Well, take your time while you do that. Um, sure. Also, I'll if anybody's interested in calling in, we do have a few minutes left. Um you can reach us at 347-215-9442. We've actually got about five minutes left, so um, seven. better hurry. <laughs> seven <minutes>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, file name. Say hi. So other than um, doing that, for people who are, while he's looking that up, I just want to let you all know that we will be here again next Sunday. Next Sunday we will be speaking with uh, Danny Weaver. Um, and he's going to come on and talk about his life of living with HIV and recovery. So that'll be exciting. Jeremy will be with me again. Again? Again? You're stuck with me. Oh, Rob. <laughs> oh, I did my Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, Rob. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> oh, I can't find it on my computer. So now I have okay, to... don't worry about it. I put the link but in there. But you know what? I have this I can read really quickly. I'll read this in, in the closing. Um, okay. So this is what profoundly moved me when I was in rehab, and it's what has changed the course of my life. Not this reading in particular. It's just the mixture of things, diagnosis and everything. But I'll just read this paragraph. Um, A time comes in your life when you finally get it, when in the midst of all your fears and insanity, you stop dead in your tracks, and somewhere the voice inside your head cries out, enough. Enough fighting and crying or struggling to hold on, and like a child quieting down after a blind tantrum, your sobs begin to subside. You shudder once or twice. You blink back your tears, and through a mantle of wet lashes, you begin to look at the world through new eyes. This is your awakening. And it goes on and on and on, but it really is, like, really cool and inspirational and those are well, the I think that's beautiful, and I think it's a great way to, to end the interview. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for getting in with us for the hour and, and sharing your story. Um, I hope thank you guys. We are able to uh, you know, help a lot of people who are dealing with a co-infection who maybe you know, think they're alone. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Good to yes, thanks, to Kevin. This was a great everyone. hour. Thanks. thanks, everyone. Thank you. And you guys can find uh, read Kevin's blog over at www.kevincaresusa.blogspot.com. It's in the chat room. Uh, wow, what a great hour. Um, definitely, I mean, um, it, the hour flew by yet again. <laughs> it always happens. Well, that's always because, happens. you know, we're entertaining guys. <laughs> it's true. So true. We are. We have entertaining <laughs> guests on. They're not boring. And it's just, it's nice. It's nice not to have boring people on. No, I it agree. It just is. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's really interesting that um, 
one of the things that I did want to touch a little bit on. We have five minutes left, so. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about the Anderson Cooper 360 special that was on um, Friday at 9 o'clock. Yes. Um, you know, they had a range of celebrities on the AC360 show. Elton John, Monique, um, Mondo, Mondo, good old Mondo was on. That was my favorite part, seeing him rock those glasses. <laughs> yeah. Did you see it? Mondo, Mondo is Mondo. He was awesome. I just wish they would have talked to him a little more. You know, I What's felt that? like they snubbed him. I felt like there's, they there's a them. stupid train. I'm sorry. There's a stupid train going by, and it's loud wheels. No, that's fine. I just felt that okay. they didn't really get to talk to Mondale. I would have liked to hear him talk a little bit more. Um, yeah. So, but I think Elton John had some excellent points. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he did. My the favorite thing that I heard out of the whole hour, the whole message that I got was, after 30 years, we're still talking about stigma. And that is the message that kind of stuck with me when Elton John said that, that after 30 years, we're still talking about the same thing we've been talking about. And, you know, it just needs to go, like, people need to realize that, you know, ugh, they just need to get educated on disease and realize that you can't get it from hugging and kissing and, and just that we're normal people and we have rights and we should be able to get medication, you know, too. And we shouldn't have to be put on waiting lists and, you know, don't make me go off on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, it's it's absolutely true. We are still we we are rehashing the same conversation over and over and over and over again. And it's either if if a if a if a cure is is not available to us, right? Uh-huh. Then we definitely need to start um working harder on a vaccine and we also need to i mean my god if we can have a vaccine for the flu for crying out loud but i i should say there aren't vaccines for hepatitis c either right you we've got we've got the um hepatitis a and b the twin vax but um nothing nothing for you know hep c but but it, we need to start looking at these things and start moving the conversation forward. And and the only way to destigmatize HIV, and and this is what I wish they would would have start talking, you know, would have acknowledged is that you know it's okay to talk about sex, and we need to um, clobber these conservative yahoos over the heads with um, with facts. So. So that's 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 what we have to do in order to get the, the the in order to get the conversation moved for you know. For no, I totally agree. The only other thing I wish they would have talked about was the the waiting list that's going on oh. um, in Florida. So um, yeah. I'm hoping that the summit next uh, the 28th to the 30th. I'm hoping that weekend the summit that we're going to go do in Florida is going to get some coverage in the news so people can you know find out what's going on because they're going to start putting I think. I think, don't quote me, I think uh, 2,000 more people are getting knocked off of the waiting list. Yeah. Or, uh, not off of the waiting list, off, of the, off of the list of people who are on ADAPT. Right. So it's, it's, it's really disheartening, and as human beings, we shouldn't allow other human beings to go without medications that can save their life. Nobody deserves yep. to die. But unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, you know, um, what happened in this last election cycle was many more conservatives were elected, and we just have a, a much bigger fight now, m- more so than we ever have, because they, they do want to cut those types of programs. Right, and it's a shame. So I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. Yes. Um, you can find more information on Jeremy Dunn at PositivelySpeaking.com or search Jeremy Dunn on Facebook. Uh, you can find more information on me at PositiveIM.com or just search PositiveIM. You can find both of us, I'm sure, on Facebook um, or Twitter, wherever you're at. Um, you'll find links. And um, another great hour, Jeremy, and I'll see you next it, week. Yes, it has been a great hour. And uh, have a great week, everybody. And, and stay out of trouble for as much as you can. (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.